Welcome to another edition of the Chip and Gary Tennis Show. Uh, I've got a really special guest and a really special friend and mentor uh, on the show today. And uh, his name is David Woods. Dave Woods, as we called him a lot. He was the assistant coach at the University of Texas for the great Dave Snyder and uh, was my assistant coach and fondly known as Woodsy by many people and just a, a great personality and, and kind of a, a great tennis person and in a lot of different ways and we're going to talk about that today coach welcome to the show thanks gary enjoy being on it yeah yeah hey you know um uh, we're going to get to you know like what it must have been like in 1972 when you were tapped to be the assistant coach at the university of texas school that probably only had, uh, well, not probably, but did only have three coaches at that time, and a, a new coach was actually the, the third coach, I guess, to ever take the reins at Texas. And uh, But I'd like to know a little bit about how you got into tennis, where you're from, and that type of thing. Coach? Okay. Uh, I grew up in Midland, Texas, out in West Texas, called the Permian Basin, and uh, just like any place in Texas, football was the king, but um, I played younger in middle school, but then I got introduced to tennis late in my sophomore year in high school. I'd had uh, a teacher that I had in elementary school, became the tennis coach at high school, Bob Mapes, and he later became the tennis pro down at H-E-B Tennis Oh, famous, famous Texas guy. tennis pro, tennis coach, and he was in Midland. Yeah, he was in the Did not know that. And uh, so this was around 1957, uh, 1960. So anyway, Bob got me interested, and so I played then. And um, I played on the tennis team, but I, I, I wasn't a district champion. I just I was a, a good, solid player on the team. But I really did like tennis. I, I really was trying to make up for the time lost not playing younger. And uh, then Bob Babes went down to... Um, he left Midland and went to Corpus Christi, where he was to be the pro at HEB Tennis Center, which was just getting completed. And at Corpus Christi, they had a college, it was called the University of Corpus Christi, and they were starting a team. So he talked, he said, he gave me a word about it, and uh, I ended up going to Corpus Christi my first year, my freshman year, on a half scholarship. And they were just putting their team together. So. In the end, they put together uh, Chris Crawford, who was a Davis Cupper out of California, and Antonio Palafox from Mexico and Gabino. And so with another guy named Henry Parrish, who was the coach, uh, Corpus Christi was on the map, but, and I was playing about number six. So anyway, that's, that's basically my tennis background. But I just liked the sport so much, and so when I... I finished one year at Corpus, but I wasn't going to get higher on the team. I wanted to go to a better school, so I transferred to Texas Tech. And at Tech, I uh, really got into wanting to be a coach, and I really started majoring in PE, and that's how I got all got into everything. That's interesting because I'll say two things here. First of all, that I learn something every time. I do one of these podcasts, and as well as I know you, and as long as I know you, have known you, I did not realize that Bob Mapes was from Midland, and for the listeners, Bob Mapes 
is, was a pretty special tennis pro and became the coach later at this University of Corpus Christi where Ken DeKoenig and a slew of great players uh, were at a small school as Cliff Drysdale was at Lamar University. But uh, Bob Mapes actually pulled off a real coup because Corpus Christi is a real windy place and sometimes can be a difficult place to play because of that coming off of the bay or, uh, but anyway, um, he hosted two NCAAs. My first two NCAAs were in Corpus Christi, Texas. So that's quite a feat when you look at the national scope of NCAAs and a, a pro out at Midland. Uh, now, then I come to when you were in Midland, do you remember the George Bush family being there at the same time or, or not? Well, I, you know, I heard of them, but I, I, I didn't. I wasn't involved with him in any way. I see. So you all weren't tennis buddies but out I there. Just a, I was just aware of that. Uh, and then, and then, when you were at Texas Tech, when you uh, went over there, I believe you had a famous fraternity brother, didn't you? Oh yes. And at Tech, I was a Delta Tau Delta, and uh, in my pledge class was uh, a guy named John Dutchendorf. He was from Fort Worth, Texas. And he had a little band, and uh, later he becomes John Denver, and uh, first played with the Mitchell Trio, Chad Mitchell Trio. Then he went off on his own. The rest is history, as they say. Was he in the uh, New Christie Minstrels with Kenny Rogers, or, or do you know? I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not quite sure on that. I don't. I don't think so, but I don't know. Uh huh. Yeah, Chad. That's right, Chad Mitchell. Trio. They had some. They had some big hits back in that day, didn't they? Yes. Uh-huh. And then John Denver's biggest thing. I mean, besides he's a great singer himself and all, but his first intro was he wrote "Leaving on a Jet Plane" for Peter Paul and Mary. Ah, yes. Songs. Uh, what a great that. songwriter he was. Yeah. Now, what was he like in college? You remember much about him? Was little yeah, uh, wire rim glasses boy? Yeah, he was just a right. A regular guy, as far as I remember, and easy to be around, fun. And uh, they have this big, every year at Tech, they have a thing called a little 500 bicycle race. It goes all around the campus. And so John and I and two other guys made up the team for the Delts. And so I rode with him on that bicycle. And we we came in second place, and uh, and we survived it because everybody always gets dehydrated and faints about halfway through so uh that was my one close experience with him where i actually got to know him pretty good you know that's interesting and i bet that's uh, something that i didn't know about this bicycle race and probably no one else on our tennis team or team prior probably know that you uh was that a tandem bicycle or you just were on bicycle single bicycle yeah, no, yeah. we rode the bike and then we you know handed it off to the next guy oh i see it was a relay bike race yeah and and i might say i might add one more thing to the story because uh-huh. uh it's, it's pretty cool uh later in like 1975 i went to work with coach snyder as his assistant pro in snowmass colorado and in snowmass colorado uh, now John Denver is famous, and he lives there. And so I got to know his a real good friend of his, Crow Straka. They were in business. They owned the Tower Restaurant, Snowmass Mall, and I gave Crow lessons. 
And so I ended up playing with John Denver and his manager and Crow and some doubles that summer. Is that so right? Well, he must have really been happy to see you again you know, yeah, after, after yeah. those Texas Tech days. I bet that was special for him. Bunch of new acquaintances, right. Well, that's a, that's a really fascinating story to me because I just love John Denver and several other people on our tennis team during the day did. So so it's Texas Tech, you get your, your physical education degree, and then what happens? Uh, then I immediately go down to Corpus Christi. Again, I'm using Bob Mates. He's really helping me out. Uh, he got me a job at Ray High School, um, which was the second oldest high school in Corpus. And um, it had a really good tradition of tennis They'd had uh, Mac White go there, and he was a state champion in 1958. Great player, great long-haul player. Really, he later becomes number one at the University of Texas. And um, and then they'd had another state champion, Scott Doty, who went to play at uh, TCU. And so now I'm going into um, uh, Ray High School, and I coached there for two years, and I get to coach uh, Howard Butt third. Great player. And he mm-hmm. ends up winning district for me and going to regionals. And uh, but we had a really good team, and it was a really good coaching experience for my first experience. Yeah, and then Howard went on and played on that great t- uh, Trinity Tiger team. Yeah, Trinity that. team, exactly. Yeah. With, uh, Brian, I guess, Brian Godfrey, Dick Stockton, Bobby McKinley, well, Paul Gherkin. I, I, I don't know exactly. I know that he was on – I know for sure he might have been a freshman on that team. Yeah, he that was uh, that was a great team, and we've talked about that on other shows. Um, so, so, so then how how so you're there for two years, and then what happens? Yeah, Is that when the transition to Austin comes? Yes. Uh, no. What happens is two years go by, and uh, one of my friends in Corpus is Paul Christian. He's at Miller High School. And he finishes up his master's degree, and he gets a job at the University of Houston coaching tennis. And so I kind of thought, well, that might not be a bad way to go. So I felt that I wanted to get my master's, and I wasn't married. So I went back to school and got my master's degree. And then right after that, that was at Colorado State University, I went for two years to Cal Berkeley, and I took – uh, the place of Chet Murphy, who was on a sabbatical, and I taught tennis classes for him at Cal Berkeley. And when he came back off his sabbatical, I was looking for a job, and that's when this job came up at the University of Texas to teach in the PE department. I and, see. Uh, at that same time, Wilmer Allison was retiring, and Coach Snyder was taking his place coming from the University of Arizona. And it's so interesting how tennis is just such a family, especially back then even more so. Is Chet Murphy was a great coach, and him and his brother Bill Murphy were from Chicago, and he was a, a really good player and later published books on how to play tennis, and uh, or one book for sure. And uh, Bill Murphy, the brother, be, uh, was the uh, coach at Arizona after Coach Snyder left Arizona to take the Texas job around that time. Isn't that yeah, correct? Exactly. Yeah, and so, one, funny. Thing, one quick thing about Chet Murphy, he, he was pretty famous just for writing these one-page instructional articles for Gladys Hellman in the World Tennis Magazine. Uh-huh. So kind of each month, Chet would have a one-page instructional article 
Yeah, that's that's true. And they had those back then. I, I don't know if you remember Arthur Ashe had one, and it was sponsored by Miller Lite. But every uh, it, that might have been uh, Tennis USA. Yeah, but 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 anyway, that but I remember that because in the day of those world tennises, they would always have a couple different people that ha- would have instructional articles, and he was he was one of them among many others. Uh, so anyway, you matriculated then to Austin to actually work in the PE department at the University of Texas? Right. This is 1970, and tennis is super popular all over the United States. And so at Texas, they, they had like five tennis teachers, and we had beginning, intermediate, and advanced tennis classes. Really? And they had this 40, 40 tennis courts out at what's called the intramural fields, intramural tennis courts. And so um, we, we were inundated with uh, students who wanted tennis. We had to turn them away. And so that's how that's that was my full time job. And actually, Coach Snyder was half time PE and half time um, tennis coach. So he taught in the mornings. And uh, the other thing that's impressive about Coach Snyder is he had his doctor's degree, doctorate in education. And so when he, that that distinction got him a full tenured professorship at UT when he first came on to coach. So that's uh, interesting. This is a interesting time in your life and interesting time in coach Snyder's life. How was that connection made between you and coach Snyder? We're talking about Dave Snyder yeah, and the winningest like coaches yeah, in like you said, college. It's a family. And what happened is in the summer, Jeff Murphy invited me to the Broadmoor hotel where he was a tennis pro and to be his assistant. And they were having a doubles tournament in Colorado and Colorado Springs. Now, what was that? I, I lost you there. They were having a doubles tournament? Yeah, a doubles tournament at the Broadmoor. And Coach Snyder came over to play doubles, uh, and I was introduced to him and actually umpired a doubles match with Coach Snyder playing. So um, I just met him for the first time and talked to him a little bit, and that was my first introduction to him. Do you remember who he was playing with or against? No, I, I don't. I don't remember that. You Do you know? remember, was he a pretty good player? No, I remember that he played really well and he was real intense. And uh, You remembered yeah. he was real intense. What do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> well, in his play. <laughs> in his play. And he called his lines uh, straight and uh-huh. uh, he was all business. <laughs> Did, were, there any, were there people back then that didn't call their lines straight? Even back then? Uh, or was it more a gentleman's there, game then? There were, there were people that were question line calls and ask for the mark and things like that. Uh-huh. So it was clay, obviously, then. Right. I see. I see. How many courts does Broadmoor have at that time well, out there? How many clay courts did they have? Well, they didn't have any clay courts. It was all hard Oh, courts. it was all hard courts. Right. And there, uh, there, at that point in time, there wasn't bubbles over the court during the winter. It was strictly a summer sport. But they had, they had about uh, eight courts. I see. I see. So that's how you got your connection, and then you all met, and then did he just serendipitously give you a phone call and ask you to be the assistant coach, or how did that work out? Yeah, well, once we, uh, once we got inter- introduced at the staff meetings at U- University of Texas, then uh, we came to each other and said, remember the Broadmoor, and we talked, and he said, you know, I'm starting up here, you know, would you be interested in 
when you're not teaching in the afternoon coming out to uh, be a volunteer assistant? And I said, I sure would. So um, I had it in my mind to come up and talk to him about it anyway. Is that right? But he brought it up. Yeah, he brought it up. And uh, he said he'd had some assistance that really helped him at uh, the University of Arizona. Really? So, so he saw the value of it. So like, that was... Uh, that was what the '72 season the, uh, that you came to Texas uh, to coach right. the team as a volunteer assistant. Now, was Jeb Bush on that team? Right, Jeb Bush was a walk-on uh, that year, um, and uh, there were several other walk-ons. Uh, Ed Inerary from Midland. Oh yeah, uh, coach Coach uh, Allison had. Uh, had him on the team before the year before, and uh, John St. Clair from Midland. I don't know how the Midland connection came up. Uh, John St. Clair's brother was on the tennis team with me, Bill St. Clair at Midland, huh. and uh, then Robert Campbell, and uh, from Wichita Falls. And so, so there was there was a contention of walk-ons that were fairly good players. <laughs> yeah, they, Robert Campbell was a lefty, and they called him right. Spook, and then. Jeb Bush, I guess, was right-handed, and he was a pretty decent tennis player. I noticed he was five and zero in yeah. the uh, record books. He was he was pretty good. Never I lost a match. He was a great uh, personality. He was just fun to be around. Was he? Boy, you've yeah. been you've rubbed shoulders with a few famous people. Coach for a regular guy was he? So the, so those those guys were there, and then who who were the guys that were? Uh, playing in the top six that were the scholarship athletes. And well, they had the basic, um, you know, uh, core of the team was uh, Dan Nelson, Jim Bayless, they were juniors, Ron Tushon, he was a senior from Amarillo. Where was then, Jim Bayless from Houston and uh, Dan and Nelson? Houston, Dan Nelson grew up in Austin, went to Austin High School. Ron Tushon was from Amarillo. Uh, not sure which high school we went to there. And then we had four freshmen that Wilmer had recruited. He had recruited some really good freshmen. We had Dan Byfield from Austin High School. Mm-hmm. We had Graham Whaling from Wichita Falls. Mm-hmm. We had Bill Fisher from Houston. And we had Don Murray from Fort Worth. So that was, like I say, the core of the team. Those were the active players that played in the lineup. All Texans, uh, by the way. All Texans. Uh, right. Wilmer was, and Dr. Pinnock were big on recruiting the state champions and the runner-ups and all that in Texas because they felt like they had all these great teams before with just Texas people, so they were kind of staying in that tradition. Coach Snyder will break off of that tradition. Uh-huh. Uh, but um, we started with it, and it was good. I mean, Wilmer recruited those four freshmen played really good. <laughs> Dan Nelson, Dan Nelson, uh, he was a, he was a player, but he they were from Austin. That was the tennis family of Nelsons playing at Texas. Right, wasn't right. It? tennis family. David Nelson, the oldest, and then John Nelson, uh, who was a really is a really good player. So was David. They're all good players. Their father was a law, a real estate law professor, Eugene Nelson, uh, at the University of Texas. And uh, so it was David, John, and Dan. Dan was the youngest. 
And Dan really, you know, Dan played, played, I know Jim Bayless played some number one too, but Dan played number one when I was recruited down there and uh, just a really good player and a, and a solid person, became a successful lawyer there down there in Texas. But he, uh, he was, John Nelson, who became a doctor, he had the best set of hands. David was a good player too, but I, I thought John might have been the most talented. However, Dan probably ended up getting the best results over time. Would you say that because John and, and, and David were there before you got there, basically? Right. So I, I, I only know, I don't know specifically the things that you say. Uh, they're probably true. Well, I just remember when, when, when John was doing his residency, I think, there at, at UT, Brackenridge or wherever it was, he, he'd come over and practice with us, you know. Okay. And I just I just remembered, you know, he had a, he just had kind of a, a, a more of a, I don't know, want to say looser type of game or something like that. And he, you know, would come up with some shots, you know, that I wasn't expecting, I guess. So I, I just remember that about him vaguely. But uh, but Dan was a, a, a top player, one of the one of the best tennis players in Texas history, as far as I'm concerned. The first time I came there on a recruiting trip, one of those matchmates that I think Jim Bayless and Bill Fisher got together that making matchmates uh, come out and be a spirit group. But one of them picked me up in Coach Snyder's uh, Ford Maverick that his father-in-law had given him down there in San Antonio, Galloway Ford, and <laughs> came over there. And there was Dan Nelson playing Lee Mary from University of Houston at the Texas Relays, which was the weekend that I visited. I don't know uh, if you remember that, but that uh, Texas Relays was kind of a neat tournament, wasn't it, Coach? Oh yeah, it was really a, it was really a neat tournament. We were those first years we were trying to add to the schedule, and uh, Coach Snyder came up with that idea and went to the track coach Cleaver Price, and they okayed it because our tennis courts were right at the end of the open horseshoe of the stadium. Uh, they were surrounded by windbreakers so that you couldn't see them. Not many people knew about it, so we just opened the back gate and you step out. On the, onto the 400 meter track and um, the football and the Texas Longhorn football field right there at the edge of the courts that was a great thing oh yes that was really neat you really felt like you were part of the athletic department when you were there on those tennis courts and uh, so um, so it worked out really well we could hear all the loudspeaker of announcing all the different races and everything but it didn't the players all got used to all that and so that wasn't a factor and we we really enjoyed being a part of it. That's uh, interesting how, you know, every sports fan knows about home field advantage, but I would say this for other teams coming into Texas, if you can picture this where you've got a wooden stadium built up in, with green painted old style and then tennis courts across it and then flags from every nation on the other side of the tennis courts with the uh, the clanging of the metal and, and the, when the wind blows and then the football field right behind you with the big bowl and the uh, athletic offices were actually right underneath the football stadium there. It was one big building. So that's when Coach says you felt like you were part of the athletic complex. You were right there. At, and, and Coach Snyder, I didn't know he 
devised the tennis part of the Texas Relays, but Texas Relays, for those of you that don't know much about track, the Drake Relays and then the Texas Relays were probably the two biggest track events in the country and NCAA back in that time. So uh, I guess uh, when Coach went to Claiborne Price, who was the track coach at the time, uh, uh, you know, he embraced it, I guess, and then that tournament was born. I thought it just had gone on forever. Uh, no, that was that was, that happened. Uh, when Coach Snyder came to Texas, came I to see. the university. That happened when Coach Snyder came to the university. I I know it wasn't our first year, but probably the second or third year. Like you say, you came on your recruiting visit, and we were already doing it. So, uh huh, uh huh. So so moving on that that first year, that was a pretty good team, wasn't it? Oh, it was a really good team. Uh, we had a record of twenty five wins and four losses. Wow. And uh, we had beaten, uh, it was all, uh, like I say, Coach Snyder came there and he wanted to change the culture. Uh, it was just, a, he wanted to basically improve everything. So he, he did some interventions, as you might say, as a coach. And I, I had not coached college tennis and I knew that he was a coach and I was, listening and watching and following his directions the best that I could. But um, but there were some things that Coach Snyder did to create that 25-4 and four record and to beat some teams that we that Texas hadn't been beaten, such as Pan American, Corpus Christi, University of Corpus Christi, Trinity, Rice, SMU. Uh, so they beat Trinity. Y'all beat Trinity that one year, that year, didn't uh, you? That, that that first year after Trinity had all of their uh, national champions graduate: Stockton, McKinley, Gottfried, um, Gherkin. Gherkin, right? Gherkin. Uh, we beat them uh, with some new players, five to four. But that was a big deal for us because mm-hmm. you know um, we been losing at Trinity quite a bit under Coach Allison. Yeah, because so, for somebody that's not a tennis, uh, know, knows tennis and doesn't know about Pan Am and University of Corpus Christi, I'm sure some alumni would be going, what? We can't beat Corpus Christi? We can't beat these teams that, you know, are small yeah. schools. So that, that was interesting. But, of course, they were on the uh, forefront of uh, having a lot of foreigners come in and play, and that's how they could compete, right, yeah. which the predecessor to the way it is now, where it's uh, even magnified to a much greater degree. But, yeah, that team, and that team was comprised of all Texas. That, that kind of reminds me of Davy Crockett at the Alamo or something, you know. <laughs> right. I mean, being able to beat these, these teams that used to – you know, you think about it, Lamar University having Cliff Drysdale and people like that, that uh, they had great players, and uh, Corpus Christi having uh, Humphrey Jose and, and Jorge Andrew, who were, you know, already ATP-style pl- WCT players. Right, okay. Well, uh, I, you know, I was kind of interested to tell you about a couple of two or three things that Coach did that I thought really made a difference as far as changing the culture. All right. Uh, the number, you know, number one, his, his overall thing when he met me, he says, hey, I want us to hit a 1,000 balls and run a 1,000 miles. He said, I think if you hit a, hit a lot of balls, he said, in practice, we may get, get the most out of practice, and it was usually from 2.30 to 5.30. And uh, right off, he 
what I was impressed with is he would type up his practices on an index card and he would tack it to the umpire chair by your court. So you just went over there and you, after he introduced it, you followed the index card. He would blow a whistle or would yell out when to go to the next drill or what. So we would drill for a certain amount of time uh, warming up and then we would play sets of singles and sets of doubles and then we would end practice with fitness workouts in which he had some tennis type and then we'd have regular you know run the lines jump rope and all that but he'd have what's called hot box where he would hit balls to you at the net he'd hit them hard to you at the net too he'd hit them hard until you almost (laughs) were sick at your stomach and then uh (laughs) volleys <laughs> and driving you back and then overheads so uh, so that was one and then scramble drill where we scrambled you around hitting passing shots mm-hmm. so anyway this is the way the practices went and um, so you got the most out of it he made sure we, he, he got bought these laundry baskets on wheels and held a thousand balls and he bought these <laughs> dock ball boy pickup tubes and so you could just be picking up balls and putting them in those baskets and just you know, like I say, he had a thousand balls. Well, he must have he, 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 he had a nice little thrill when you came out with those homemade wooden targets that you made in your garage. This was great. I got to interject here because Coach uh, Woods here, he made in his garage these little t- uh, rectangular targets, and uh, they had a little, little back piece of wood that was wedged into it so that it just sat up and you could put it in the service box corners you could put it in the back corners and uh oftentimes we'd have those things out there and have contests of of hitting them and that dang Stuart keller for some reason would hit them every time before kevin kern or me or anybody else could hit them brad neighbors but uh that was a great teaching tool that you had right there but i remember that laundry basket that you're talking about that wire basket on wheels and uh but you know by and large uh, i think uh, one of the things not to interject on the conversation here but in terms of uh, coach snyder's practices is there wasn't a whole lot of fed ball stuff like a lot of it is in tennis today with these kids developing their strokes you know and of course we were more advanced since we played but you know it was a lot of live ball drills and playing you know, and, and, you know, mixed in with, you know, specialty shots and then the stamina part and the reflex part of a hot box or a scramble drill. But uh, so, I, you know, I, I, looking back on it, it, I, it really honed my control even more, just, uh, you know, the way that he set those practices up. So you learned that from him. Is there anything else he taught you or was that all he knew? No, I learned a lot more. I, I'd say the, you know, it's like I say, some of the some of the first things were just the real basic thing that I learned from him. I mean, one of the first matches that we were playing sometime in the fall, it wasn't an important match, but we were playing St. Edwards or somebody like that, just the other guys some practice matches, and uh, he came over, just sort of stood, and we watched a little bit, and then he said, you know, what can you tell me? I think he was quizzing me out. What can you tell me about, um, you know, what's happening? I said, well, you know, our, our player is really he's having trouble with his uh, with his service toss. I think I think it's a, a little bit too high, and 
I think, you know, if we say anything to him, he should work. He should go back to the one he worked on at practice and toss it lower. And he said, "Well, you know, that's good." But he said, "What can you tell me about the other guy?" He said, "Really, we can't. Let's let's just talk about what we can do against this other. What's the other player's weakness?" You know. And I thought, you know, at the time, I'm thinking, "Oh my God, I'm embarrassed." <laughs> <laughs> but that made a point. From then on out, uh-huh. I started shifting my focus to scouting the other team and I got very good at spotting their weaknesses uh-huh. and being able to yes, you did. get the I word remember to that. players when it was appropriate. And uh, and so so anyway I learned every like, every day I learned something new. I mean it was like I say, uh, it was a it was a perfect perfect situation for me. Well, he was training you, you know, obviously, because, I mean, I know that he told me later, you know, when Steve Bryan won NCAAs, he, he said Edgar and him get along so good. Edgar Giffening, who was the assistant coach at the time and a great uh, teacher nationally and internationally now, and he said, I just told Edgar to go down there because Steve seems more relaxed around him. Edgar's closer to his age. So he knew when to kind of let off and not be right on top of somebody if he thought they were going to get re- better results. Which, which segues into his confidence in you eventually because uh, there became times when he just turned over the team to you, which we're going to get into. But um, let's get back to, you know, we talked about that great 72 team. And, you know, Bayless was, Jim Bayless was a solid player, and he's a wily player too, right? I mean, he was, that was a pretty solid number two. I mean, he... I guess the year before Coach Snyder got there, he won the uh, consolations at NCAA's, which they didn't have when I was in it. They must have disbanded it right after, right before I got there. But uh, I think he, after he lost, he won seven or eight matches in the backside out there in California when they were, or maybe it was, it wasn't Princeton. It was the year before I think out in LA. But um, he was a tough player, wasn't he? He was very good. He was very good. He, in singles and in doubles, and uh, and as you know, every place in the lineup counts. So um, Bayless was very solid. Like I said, you did know, he was, play with Dan mostly in doubles, or did no, it change around? I mean, I don't know. I don't know how it developed. It's just that um, for some reason uh, we were trying out doubles teams and. Dan Nelson and Graham Whaling just gelled together. And oh, really? Yeah, Graham was a really good doubles. Graham was and, a good doubles player. Right, and then Bayless played some with uh, Bill Fisher and, and Dan Byfield. But they they made both those teams that I just talked. Bill Fisher and Jim, I think, beat uh, or they played against Trinity and Byfield and Tushan won a big match against Trinity the time we beat them five four. Um, so Byfield um, and Byfield and Tushan won. Mm-hmm. A big match. Two, two shot one a doubles match. We beat one of the ones that makes us win five four. Wow. So then, what 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 about what about coach? Did then the one of the things you're talking about changing the culture too, and maybe it's not so much the culture of the, you know, the relationships of of the people, but. He started the next year recruiting out of the state of Texas. That was kind of a different thing because Wilmer Allison adhered to Coach uh, Dr. Penick's uh, in-state recruiting. Was there any kind of uh, backlash about that or anything, or was it just a kind of a normal thing that transpired? No, I mean, uh, from, you know, day one uh, as Coach uh, 
you know, when Coach Shai would talk, when we just visit, he said, we've got to start, we've got to start recruiting nationally. You know, I said, that was my, one of my successes at um, Arizona is like, you know, I we got some national recruits uh, to come there. And he said, um, even though they've had in the past, it's been okay to get the Texas players that some of the players that, you know, higher ranked players nationally are not from Texas. So, you know, he immediately started after Stuart Keller. He knew Stuart from some tennis camps back in Arizona. And uh, and then I've forgotten on how Gonzalo appeared on the radar as a recruit, but we found out about Gonzalo, and he was out in La Jolla, California. Uh, um, he worked under Pancho Segura, took lessons from him, and I guess played at La Jolla High School. I'm not for sure, but those two recruits, we really recruited strongly, and they ended up coming to Texas, and that changed. That was kind of the first change. Now, what um, Coach, just to interject here, what Coach Woods is talking about is Stuart Keller from Phoenix, Arizona, was probably top 15 in the country at the time and a very good player that, uh, uh, you know, was higher ranked nationally probably than anybody else. And then Gonzalo Nunez was from Guayaquil, Ecuador, and then moved to California to train under Pancho Segura, who was also a great player from Guayaquil. Um, and so that's how that connection happened. But Gonzalo Nunez became the number one player and uh, actually went on a year or two later in the summer to win the National Amateur Grass Courts in Newport, Rhode Island, and was a, a fantastic player. So, the you know... Um, the level, the level increased at that point in terms of the recruiting. Who recruited those guys, both of you? Oh, well, yes. I mean, but Coach Snyder, for sure. Uh, and But, you know, I, I went out, you know, once the recruit got here, then I did. My job was uh, Coach Snyder so quiet and uh, reserved that my job was to talk up Coach Snyder to him and just say, here's the way he is in practice, here's the way he is in matches, this is why he's a really good coach, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, so um, I kind of did, that was kind of my um, MO for the rest of my assistant coaching time. So you Everything. were actually the recruiter in a lot of cases. Yeah, in a lot of cases that happens. I think it happens for uh, a lot of coaches and assistant coaches. Mm-hmm. If you're younger, you're a little bit nearer the player's age, although Coach Snyder was only like, 35 or 36 or something. I mean, that was old. But anyway, um, but that happens. That seems to be one of the things that recruit, uh, assistant coaches do. And it, it's really good because that's, that's your, that's why you, when you want to become a head coach, you, you have that experience. So were you guys, so you were, was Jim Bayless, let's see, Dan Nelson, Jim Bayless were there and what was that, 73 the next year? Yeah, and the next year, For some reason, I think he was on the team in 72, but he wasn't in the team picture. But in 73, yeah, Nelson, Byfield, and Wiegand from Austin. That's uh, Paul Wiegand from from Austin, Texas, and Dan Byfield that were from Austin, Texas. And then Dan Nelson, you know, so you had some Austin, Texas guys there, which at that time, Austin wasn't that big of a town like it is now. And uh, the, the tennis wasn't the same as Houston or, or Dallas. So to have those guys out of Austin on the team, that was, uh, that was pretty nice. And all stellar fellas. Right. 
Another player that we're forgetting about who was there also in 72 that played was Tommy Ryan. Oh, I know, Tommy, from yeah. Fort from and, Fort uh, Worth. Great, great fellow, that Tommy Roberts. So Roberts, uh, he played at number five and six um, in some of those matches against Pan Am. And so, mm-hmm. uh, so uh, yeah, as I look at the 73 team here, there's Gonzalo Roberts and Brad Neighbors from San Antonio. He came on to the team. He was quite, Brad Neighbors was quite a athlete. He was a great athlete, great singles and doubles, and he was always the quickest off the court. He would get on the court and, win and get off, uh, you could just almost count on him. Uh, well, he was, uh, you know, when we had our great team a little later jump into Kevin Kerr and Steve Denton in that era, um, you know, Brad Neighbors at number four was almost a shoe-in, or you know, because you know, if we put him down there on that slow court down there, he wasn't going to lose. I know. It is yeah. great. Coach Brad, Brad was a, a very highly ranked, much higher ranked than I was in like the 14 and unders in the nation and that type 16 and unders. So he was, he was just a great athlete. But uh, yeah. any, anyway, so Brad was there kind of as a freshman that year. Is that right? Right. 73, 74. He, uh, he had. Uh, did he, he play was, that? I did, was recruited by Trinity. Bobby McKinley wanted him. He just, because he was in San Antonio, but his girlfriend Patricia came to Texas and he wanted to come to Texas. So he just called Coach Snyder up and said, hey, if I come here I'll, as a walk-on, but if I, you know, can beat some of the people in the top six, can I maybe have a chance for a scholarship? So that's the way he came to Texas. I see. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, he was, uh, yeah, I remember I've said this in other podcasts when we would, you would make us, you know, our coach would make us have these sprints down the courts, you know, where you go to one end of the court to the other and, you know, Steve Denton and me would be in the way back and Brad Neighbors would just be way out of, in front of everybody because he had physiologically, you know, really strong legs and thighs and was a very, you know, just kind of like Yo. He reminded me of Johan Creek, just kind of a a freak athlete for a, a white a white boy. But yeah. anyway, so description, Gary. Yeah. So so, what kind of record did we have that year in seventy three? Uh, seventy three. You know, I, I I nothing. You know, it just doesn't stand out to me. I, I sort of memorized that first year I was here. Uh, I know we had a winning record. We still beat some teams we hadn't beaten before. We might have had a win over the University of Houston uh, because that first year we lost to them two or three times. They were very good with Dale Ogden and Lee Mary and Ogle, and they had, they had a tough. They had a great team. They did. They really did. And that was right down in Billy Fisher's backyard. That Bill Fisher was, you know, he comes from a tennis family, doesn't he? Yeah, Bill Fisher's uh, brother Ron Fisher was. Uh, great player and uh bill as the genes <laughs> yeah and bill was a good player himself but you know ron and 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 coach snyder were ranked like 10th in the country in doubles back in the 50s ronnie fisher and they played some matches in national t- 
tournaments and uh, had some good wins. And uh, yeah, he was solid. He was really solid, and I remember him, you know, playing. And I think I saw him play at the Houston Racquet Club one time, and just remember, I said, "God, that guy's strokes are just really solid." But um, he was he was there, and and Bill was uh, Graham Whaling and Bill were really good friends and roommates. My freshman year, I guess, at Texas. Uh, and Graham was quite a player from Wichita Falls. He's another guy like Brad that was very highly ranked early on, 14s and 16-unders in the Nationals. Also from Wichita Falls, like Robert Campbell or Spook, as they used to call him. Uh, what do you remember about What do you remember about those guys? Oh uh, well, Graham, uh, I was I, I, I was really uh, surprised at first because I thought, God, this guy's a small guy. And he hits the ball well and everything in practice. I, you know, I didn't know much about him, so I, I was really surprised then when he, we, we would go out to these matches and I would just go sit and watch. And at first, you know, he might not look as good, but he always ended up winning. <laughs> he, he would always come, and he never gave up. He had this strong will to win. Yeah, he and, did. He uh -oh. did. And he didn't have a he didn't have like a big overpowering serve or anything, but him and Fish, Bill Fisher, they used those uh, what Arthur Ashe competition twos. Um, I think right. Coach might have used that for a while too, but that head competition. But oh, that uh, head competition, I seen yeah. one of the pictures here with that in it, right? And then, of course, Graham and I had a memorable doubles match uh, at against the University of Houston in Austin when. You know, I, I had a magical day and beat Ross Walker in straight sets and comes down to four all and we're playing number two doubles, you know. And uh, Gonzalo and Stuart Keller, which were a great doubles team, they were number one. But we were playing, uh, I think, Colon Nunez and Icasa or one of those guys. And down 4-2 in the tiebreaker, I'm serving the last three and we come back and win it to win the match 5-4. That's, that's probably the most memorable college match, even more so than beating McEnroe in NCAAs, is that match because we had the fans in the stands and we were down and everything. And then the next day in the pe Daily Texan paper, Snyder goes, I, I wouldn't have wanted to see anybody but Plock hitting those last three serves at 4-2 down, you know. And I said, well, that's good enough for me, you know. But uh, <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> yeah, so Graham was my partner, and I remember us drinking a beer and celebrating down in our room afterwards, and it was a special moment. And and of course, Graham's lived in Houston for a long time, and um, I asked him, I said, "Hey, you remember that match at one point?" And he goes, "Do I remember it?" So it was kind of funny. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, he he was really a, a great player, you know. He really went a lot for Texas, that's for sure. Yeah, he really did. And, and you know, really, I've said it before on another podcast, but Bill Fisher was really the reason I came to Texas because he was in charge of taking me around, and he was so creative, and we were oh, throwing okay. a Frisbee at, at Zilker Park and, you know, doing all this different stuff, and it was, uh, you know, he was just a, an intriguing guy. And, you know, later, of course, my freshman year, he runs for office, 
place it's called place one in the business school and he like gets that you'll you'll find this really funny he he calls dr nelson dan nelson's dad who's got a parking place right across from greg the front of gregory gym which is right across from the bb building the business building the day before the election and he straps a canoe to his vega and it says Bill Fisher place one right outside of Gregory Gym across from the voting booth. And then he and then in addition to this, he like makes up these little cards with the Longhorn basketball schedule on it and on the flip side it says Bill Fisher place one and of course, you know, I think they published the results in the Daily Texan and he had like 4,000 votes, and the next person had like 200 votes. <laughs> it was kind of funny. But, My goodness. <laughs> but you, that yeah. probably doesn't surprise you. He was a, a really oh, innovative yeah, I, guy. I, I, they always got about, you know, besides his tennis abilities and all that, but he was a salesman. He could just sell everything. And also, he everybody liked to be around him. I mean, he organized, I don't know which year, but I know one time in the fall he organized, or spring, he organized a canoeing trip to, up to New Braunfels. So the team went up there and they rented these canoes and went down the Guadalupe River and they had a blast. And um, that was one of the big things that, like I said, yes, you know, he. So- Yes, he, he took me on a canoeing trip just when we went home to visit with his parents for the weekend and stay for a tournament, I guess. And we went down this Buffalo Bayou, which I understand yeah, okay. is the river that goes through Houston. And uh, that's kind of funny. He's a, a what I would call a, a renaissance man. And he turned me on before a tennis match when you're, you know, instead of having a heavy rock song or something that you're getting psyched for, he he would turn on on the, in the in the dorm room. Uh, Olivia Newton John, have you ever been mellow? Just kind of <laughs> so it's kind of funny, but he's uh, he's he was a, a great person, and you know, like I said, responsible for me coming to Texas. So you know, Coach, uh, like I told you, we were going to have like a twenty-five. 30-minute talk, something like that. And I see we're at 49 minutes, and we, we haven't even gotten to, you know, uh, some of my contemporaries when we were playing. So rather than try to cram that in, what uh, we're going to do is if I can uh, oblige you again, we'll uh, do it at another time and kind of take it from, you know, after 73 and start with 74 on the, okay. next, on the next podcast. That sounds good. All right, well, Coach, thanks for joining us. Even though Chip Hooper's not here today, I'm sure he'll enjoy listening to this, and we'll uh, talk again pretty soon. And this is it for the Chip and Gary Tennis Show today, but we'll uh, be talking to you soon.